I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January 2023, uh, and we are in the midst of, I guess, what is our Catching Up on 2022 month. Uh, mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. movies that we've been reviewing so far in the month of January have been kind of just opportunities for us to catch up on films that we may have missed from the year 2022. Uh, and this week, we actually kind of have a special one, being as this one got a lot, I mean a lot, of positive word of mouth among very specific circles, but very, very loud <laughs> circles of the film community. Um, so Kyle, uh, would you care to introduce the film that we will be reviewing today? Bonjour, boys. Yes, uh, we are going to be covering Terrifier 2 by Damien Leone. Uh, again, this is from 2022. It's the uh, second installment of Art the Clown, uh, a film franchise that I am new to. I tried watching the first one a few years ago, and just it was just not the right vibe for me at the time. Uh, and then when this came out, I'm like, oh, who gives a shit? And then you're just like, uh, it's actually getting quite a bit of hype. So I'm like, okay, well, that's good to know. A horror movie, even if it's not my wheelhouse, it's getting a lot of hype. I kind of need to check that out. Uh, But I'm glad that you went back and watched the first one. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I did my research bullshit and I actually took the time to watch the first one. But I I would like to mark this occasion. This doesn't happen all that often. Um, It's probably a sure sign that Kyle's uh, personal life has probably been (laughs) very busy and very noisy. Um, It's very rare that I'm aware of a, a, a major horror film that Kyle is not, or at least I'm recognizing that one is gaining traction that he's not aware of. Um, so I'd just like to point that out, that I, I was kind of the one championing this one, despite the fact that, again, if you're not aware, Kyle well, is very much the horror head uh, between the two of us in terms of our personal taste in film. Well, if we had our own way, this basically would just be 52 weeks alternating between action and horror, and we would learn nothing. So (laughs) I'm trying to be better about picking horror movies, and I was trying to stay away from that this month as best as possible. So I appreciate that you brought it on the table. That makes me feel better about it. Well, that's the name of the game. We introduce each other to films. And in this case, neither of us had seen this one, but both of us, Mm -hmm. uh, especially myself, I guess, earlier anyway, Uh, was hearing quite a lot about this one. Um, So yes, as Kyle had said, this comes from Damien Leone, who does not have a dense filmography, uh, at least in terms of like feature film credits. Uh, However, I will point out that uh, this this whole franchise is very much the brainchild of Leone. And our director is also a makeup effects technician, um, not on the side, but I believe that was like their actual main job in the film industry prior to the terrifier series um and in fact they are credited as laying hands on a lot of the effects work like directly handling a lot of the effects work that happened in this film and uh the results are pretty fucking spectacular (laughs) um they're quite good in the first terrifier and they're even better in this one uh so this damien leon fellow even though we don't have a whole lot to pull from in terms of like previous credits in in their film directing career uh as as an effects artist as a champion for the terrifier franchise uh they are well appreciated i'll say that much but Mm -hmm. um yeah uh terrifier films are not super deep 
um, for the most part. There's only two of them, however, just to give a little like the flimsiest of backstory for how we got here. Um, the franchise is kind of like a platform for the character of Art the Clown or Art D Clown, Art the Clown, if you will. Uh, he's kind of become, uh, he's very quickly uh, kind of becoming a like a slasher icon of, mm-hmm. of the modern age. Um, that's not easy to achieve, honestly. No, I mean, it's it not. It happens once a decade or two. Um, I mean, Scream has Ghostface. That's from the 90s. And I guess the 2010s, late 2010s through the early 2020s, I'd, I'd say t- Terrifier 2 actually marks the proper arrival of Art D. Clown uh, as a like iconic slasher villain. Um but as it so happens, this character has been floating around in our director's uh, imagination for quite a while. Um, he appeared in some short films and was actually portrayed by a totally different actor uh, in those. Um, and their feature film debut came in the form of something called All Hallows Eve uh, from 2013. That, uh, if, as far as I recall, I didn't actually watch the whole thing. I think I just watched like the prologue of it. But I believe it's a series of short films uh, that has a framing device featuring the Art the Clown character. Um, I watched just the intro of that, so I don't have anything to say about that. Um, but I believe that's where the kind of the, the look and also the actor portraying the character became very crystallized, like became solidified into the form that currently exists in now. Um, but yeah, as Kyle said, I did watch the first Terrifier from 2016. Um, and I was not super impressed with it. Um, it's it, it does feature some truly, truly good um, gore effects. Like it, it is a solid showcase for that aspect of filmmaking. Um, but in terms of narrative, it really doesn't have much of one. Um, it has a uh, it has a very like comedic progression in that it's it reminded me of like movies I made with my friends back in high school, where it's basically just people keep showing up at the place where killings happening killings happen. And so if people would just stop going to the place, people would stop dying, but they keep the movie keeps finding excuses for people to go to that place. <laughs> but but other than that, like the art, the clown, art D clown. He's just kind of like farting around the basement and more people keep showing up. And he's like, well, I guess I got to well, kill gotta them kill too. Them. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of like character and story, it's completely devoid of anything, really. Even our quote final girl only achieves that in that she's literally the final girl. <laughs> like she's the last person standing. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, Kyle, uh, where do you want to start with Terrifier 2, though? Uh, I'll give a plot summary from IMDb. Uh, After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to the timid town of Miles County where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. Uh, So I had a question about the opening of this movie. Uh, Is this... Was Art the Clown... I'm assuming he was killed at the end of the first movie. And was he taken to the morgue? And was there like a, ooh, maybe there's going to be a continuation? Or how, how does the first one end? Spoiler alert for those uh, out there. They, they Rocky to this shit. Um, <laughs> they, they very much Rocky to this shit, where uh, it takes place immediately after the events of the first ooh. one. Uh, so the I first one with the com- Halloween, Halloween, Halloween too. But yes. well, it tells you where, where my allegiances lie. 
They they lie with Rocky Balboa, with Clan Balboa, not not <laughs> Clan Myers. <laughs> Clan Balboa. <laughs> House Balboa, if you will, rather than House Myers. <laughs> I can see you in the apocalyptic wasteland as Clan Balboa. Like that would just be your <laughs> your group that you put together. He of the droopy lip. <laughs> Entire <laughs> legion of droopy lip knights. <laughs> uh, as opposed to a bunch of people that look like William Shatner. <laughs> um, that that would be terrifying, actually. A bunch of people like of Shatner's stature and build riding at you on, on horseback. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, that's yep. a bunch of stout guys with lances. But think of how nauseating it would be to get captured by him and then have like a whole clan of people doing Bill Shatner impressions at you. What were you doing over there? (laughs) (laughs) Just be looking at your watch the whole time. It's like, how fucking long does it take to finish a goddamn sentence? (laughs) Uh, Do you all hate, do you all hate gay Japanese men? And they're all unsynchronized. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Takei. No. Uh, But I guess Uh, we could start. Yes. with. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to set the stage for you. Um, The first film ends with uh, Art de Clown, Art D Clown uh, in the he's like in the middle of mutilating uh, our final girl uh, and the cops arrive. And instead of lashing out at them, he he self-terminates. He puts a gun in his own mouth uh, and then they take him to the coroner's office uh, and then he springs to life unexpectedly and attacks the coroner which brings us to the beginning of terrifier 2 okay uh yeah so art the clown is at the morgue with the doctor uh and uh, so mostly this movie is like stitched together uh set pieces for practical effects which is totally fine uh but there's a bit there's a bit more story than you would expect uh, from a movie of this caliber uh but yeah art is at the morgue we got the doctor trying to make a phone call and uh what happens to this doctor i believe he he takes the doctor's eye and he puts it in his own skull (laughs) so all of the uh all the kill sequences in in this movie specifically to a lesser extent the first terrifier but this one in particular all the kills play out like uh modern day boss battles in video games where it's like you drain the first health bar and then the boss changes the strategy and then you have to drain the next health bar and so on and so forth. So Art the Clown, he's got to kill you five times before you hit the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. So every kill, like virtually every kill in this movie consists of many things happening. It's not just like Michael Myers puts a knife in you and you're hanging above the floor and he cocks his head and walks off. No, it, it's not one. It's not samurai style style killing one slice one kill it's like blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> it's like we gotta go ape shit on them we gotta make a mess otherwise it's not satisfying so i actually took note of all this stuff tells you how invested i was but uh he bludgeons this man with a tiny hammer uh to the mm. forehead uh and also the mouth which knocks out some teeth uh that is that's a particular type of trauma that i know a lot of people are not okay with uh, seeing mm-hmm. it exhibited on film. Uh, and yeah, uh, at this point, Art uh, lost an eye uh, towards the end of the first film. Uh, so he actually tears out this guy's eyeball with his bare fucking hands. Uh, mm-hmm. And because Art the Clown is in fact a clown, 
uh, he does a lot of that clown shit. And actually, mm-hmm. I, for one, kind of appreciate it. Some of it is legitimately kind of fucking funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Stuff like this, as morbid as it is, fits into that category. Because, yes, he places this man's eyeball in his eye socket and then gives a gesture like, hey, it's all better, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, he obliterates yeah. this dude's head. Uh, he yes. makes it into a it's a <laughs> deconstructed meatloaf, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Art the Clown is played by David Howard Thornton. Correct. Uh, who I'm assuming we'll probably hear more about uh, playing this character moving forward because I don't think that they're going to stop making these movies anytime soon. No, um, no, no, no. They have at least two more planned, I think. Uh, I think that this next scene has some great editing in it. Um, I found it, I found that this little this little piece was interesting that you could almost just isolate this this laundromat scene as the trailer like i feel like it would work as a very graphic trailer oh uh, yeah to, yeah uh he's super bloody he's all nasty he goes to this laundromat there's a man sleeping in a chair i don't know if he's just working there, if he's working there if he's waiting for his clothes but art goes into this uh, laundromat and he sits down and there's a creepy little girl who c- continues to make an appearance so i was going to ask is she uh, a part of the first movie or is this an addition this is a new addition um okay. and one that i i had trouble like kind of figuring out what what it was all about um but it, yeah. it's really it it occupies a lot of screen time but i'm not yeah. entirely sure what it means and i do have some theories uh, did you want to get into that now or save it for later i mean we uh we can we can get it now go ahead <laughs> uh, so as kyle said uh art the clown uh, he walks into a, a laundromat and there is a patron in there, but he's asleep. So he doesn't notice that there's a blood drenched clown walking yeah. in there. Um, and then it's around this time that art is stripping naked uh, because mm. he wants to wash his, his outfit, uh, his black and white outfit. Um, and he, he pays for it, but, uh, and he has a, a chuckle at a newspaper that just happens to be lying there. He's doing, it, it needs to be said, art does not speak. Uh, he's entirely mute. He doesn't even make noises, really. Like no. he doesn't exhibit. He doesn't like pant or or growl or anything. No, no mouth noises whatsoever. Very important uh, for anybody who's not aware. But um, this is where he sees the girl clown, and I believe she has a, she has a little bit of a bout of diarrhea. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what was coming out of her, but it wasn't happy. Whatever was coming out of her. I mean, her face doesn't tell you either way. It's like, I don't know if you're having some lady issues or if you're having some bowel issues. I don't know, but that is that is brown and it's on the floor and you're not cleaning yeah. it up. Good way to go. Uh, but she approaches Art and uh, kind of like plays with his face a little bit, his fucked up fucking face. Um, and they play patty cake. And then the man, the patron, he awakes to witness this. And we see a, a POV shot of Art playing patty cake alone which solidifies the fact that this is an imaginary figure uh to what extent we're not entirely sure though because other people not art definitely see this girl sometimes um but we do see that it's like it's revealed at some point that she's somehow associated with like a little girl who was killed at a carnival before the events of the terrifier films I, i was really hazy on what that was um, but I had a theory that I, I crafted in my head while I was watching is that, well, actually, this this came up before uh, I watched this movie. It was when I was watching the first one. I was thinking about how Art the Clown 
uh, behaves like the, the way he he makes a show of things, the way that he's very theatrical, the way that he oftentimes seems to kill people in the way that makes most sense in like in that context. The way I kind of interpreted this, and I don't have any evidence to back it, but just the way I crafted things in my imagination was that he is performing just for an audience that we can't see. So in my mind, I was thinking like, is he like doing gags for this creepy little clown ghost girl that we're not aware of, but he, it perceives her as like watching his actions all the time. So it's not only to amuse himself, it's also to amuse this little girl. Uh, I'm not sure if he's uh, amusing the little girl, but it does make more sense that his actions, he thinks that he's performing for a crowd. Yeah. And I think it's what makes that weird dream sequence uh, coming up here shortly make a little bit more sense where it does seem like he's kind of performing for an audience. So yeah, that does, that does explain his behavior a bit more. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not, I'm not nuts, uh, but yeah, uh, the dude sees art playing patty cake alone. And then the, the punchline to this whole sequence here. And like Kyle said, this actually would have made for a really good red band trailer for this movie uh, because it is pretty self-contained. and It does have a gag at the end. Um, is that we see Art mopping the floor, but the floor looks pretty clean. Like he's mopping up. Um, but then we see that like, oh shit, his mop is broken in half. And sure enough, the the other hand, the other half of the handle is uh, jammed through the top of the, the dude's skull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, way, to, way to leave a mess, Art jackass. It's, it, I, thought it, I thought at first was just the way they focus on the mop. I'm like, oh, that's the Terminator 2 nod. Because, you know, when Sarah's busting out of the asylum, there's the broken mop stick, but she uses it to bash that dude's face in. Uh, so I did not see this coming, that it was going to be stuck inside the dude. I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty good. Good job with that. I thought that that was a nice, it was, it was, it was I had a chuckle at it. Um, but yeah, then we, uh, so let me, let me refill my tea real quick. I apologize. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and start getting the listeners informed on what you hate about contemporary horror movies, fascination and obsession with synth wave, uh, basically MDMA music, please. Cause I have, I have a theory about it, Trevor. Okay. Well, I'm far more interested to hear your theory than to hear me make mouth noises a way to play me in as the bad guy. It's like, I don't actually, I'm not, a, I'm not an outright hater of this stuff. It does. It's not even coming from a place of hate. It's just coming from a place of recognizing a widespread trend and not entirely understanding it because this okay. shit went from being very, very niche to like being very, very everywhere. Like, like it's I'm, I'm being advertised the shit relentlessly. Uh, yeah. So I think there's, there's two, Two, two things. One, uh, well, maybe three things. One, uh, Stranger Things. I don't know if you've watched any Stranger Things, but the not. open. So just watch the theme. Just look at this. Listen to the theme. It is that it's just this really warm synth 80s sounding intro. And it really is great. It's one of the best parts of the show, really, is the <laughs> opening theme. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of overlap between people who are watching Stranger Things and people who are watching horror movies. Cause it's kind of like Stranger Things is kind of like a gateway for younger people, even for kids that are in high school and for college, it's a good, like a good middle ground. Um, the second thing is 
I feel like it's really cheap to put together. You don't have to license any music. It sounds good, whether I mean, whether you're sick of it or not, but like some fucking kid can put this together in like an hour in his basement. And it's like, I've got to pay 50 bucks for this. Maybe like it's it's super easy to put together. The third thing, and I think most important is MDMA is really popular. <laughs> and this music, it probably sounds really good with MDMA. <laughs> oh, fuck. See, things yeah. I'm not aware of. Thank, actually, thank you for, for expanding on all of that, because these are all things I hadn't really considered, especially um, the ease of, of construction, because you're absolutely right. You don't need, you just need a sample library. And then if you have decent software, you can create a foundational loop or something to build off of. And you don't, you don't actually have to lay hands on an actual physical instrument or, or have any schooling a lot of this stuff can be put together intuitively and the main thing that like the reason why i preface things by saying it's not coming from a place of hate or like i'm not trying to be the bad guy here no the the difficult thing for me to grapple with is that a lot of synth wave and synth adjacent music that we're getting these days a lot a lot of this stuff is like objectively good Mm -hmm. and i'm struggling to find a way to define that but it has some sort of like mathematical quality to it that it's like scientifically proven to be pleasing to the human ear and soul and it and i don't like that feeling of having something just be good without Mm -hmm. me entirely understanding why (laughs) there's a reason why like i can just i can just listen to 80s music it's just good yeah like you can go back and listen to depeche mode duran duran it's just like it's just there's a reason why depeche mode are still selling out fucking stadiums like it's just (laughs) people still like listening to that type of music Mm -hmm. um nobody's going back to the 90s and listening to fucking counting crows and dudes just playing the acoustic (laughs) guitar that shit sucks um but yeah, sorry, I wanted to just get the music because we have this montage with our main girl. Uh, I don't remember what her name is. I called her Etsy girl. Now, are you familiar with Etsy, Trevor? I am aware of Etsy. Okay. Well, her name is Lo- uh, Sienna in this movie, played by Lauren Lavera. I think she's the only other person I'm going to highlight as being an actor in this movie because nobody else matters. There are some cameos worth pointing out, uh, but yeah. Y2J? No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Break the wall down! <laughs> Or excuse me, excuse me, Judas, Judas. That that's his current theme song on AEW. I should know that. I actually got to hear it at Climate Pledge Arena. That was pretty nice. fucking cool. Um, but yeah, uh, folks at home, uh, just in case you need a selling point aside from the gore effects and whatnot, Chris Jericho does in fact make an appearance post credits. But he is here. He doesn't oh, do he anything. Here. But he's here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this girl, I just been calling her Etsy. She is just putting together something. She's got all kinds of paints and candles and there's wings. There's a sword. You can tell she's putting something together. And I just assumed she was selling art on Etsy, but she's actually a high school girl uh, who's working on her Halloween costume. We come to find out. Uh, we get a little background to Etsy girl's life. Uh, she's got a busy ass mom with a foul mouth, uh, to say the least. And this woman is intense. I think that all the performances are pretty good like it's all it is for what this movie's supposed to be all the performances are actually really good for this type of movie yeah actually that that was something that i walked away from in the first film as well like i think this uh damien leone fella i think he i think he's an actual filmmaker kyle 
mm-hmm. because he does seem to know how to direct actors and he does seem to know his way around casting a picture as well because uh, yeah i uh, i couldn't point to a single bad performance across both of these films um actually it's funny you, you single out the mom because uh, the actress's name is sarah voigt not that that means anything to you or i but um i was thinking of jane kaxmerick the whole time she was on screen oh uh, yes yeah. oh my god could you imagine how much better malcolm in the middle would be if they could cuss on there that uh, woman wanted to yell fuck oh constantly <laughs> just like i'm sure there were so many outtakes on that Where's set malcolm yeah <laughs> little shits i remember i don't remember if it was the pilot episode or if it was like one of the first episodes we watched as a family but when she answers the door with no shirt on because uh i think it was the opening episode where malcolm's teacher comes there and she's like whoa and she's like the boobs lady you see him every day in the mirror what's the big deal like that's that's sold us on that show. We watched that as a family. But yeah, you're absolutely right. She does have that energy. Yeah, she got that Caxmeric energy. Um, and oh. yes, I I would have loved to have seen that woman uh, with the with the ability to cuss on camera. Oh um, gosh, she could <laughs> she could f her way to a K, dude. She could, she could get the... <laughs> oh, she gets some spit behind that fuck. Uh, yeah, so she is a busy ass mom, basically working. It looks like she's working either remotely or just around the clock. But she's working at like seven thirty or eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, we sit down for a nice breakfast with the family, and little brother wants to go as Art the Clown for Halloween. Now, I don't think he has a name in the film, but he's just referred to as maybe uh, the. They refer to him as some kind of killer in the film. I didn't write it down. Oh, it's I think it's the Miles County clown or Miles County killer or something. Uh, It's basically it's a reference to the events of the first film, which Mm -hmm. took place on Halloween the previous years, if memory serves. Yeah. And the mom's like, Michael Myers is dead. Uh, He's not coming back. Wait, no. Uh, (laughs) He's not coming back. There's nothing to be worried about. Sis is a little concerned. She calls him out. She's like, that's fucked up that you would want to go. Like you'd want to go as him for Halloween. Like he just killed a bunch of people. It's really disturbing. Um, but I think mom and uh, mom and Etsy have a little talk with each other. It's just like, I'm kind of concerned about him. That's fucking weird. Um, and we learned that dad has died, that dad is no longer in the picture, but that, that thread will kind of uh, develop as the movie goes along. Yeah. Uh, that's a serious put a pin in it moment. Although it doesn't expand as greatly as you might expect, um, but it is something that they, they point out to yeah. us very early in the film and it does like it does serve as kind of like a narrative through line for these characters by the way the main the final girl's name is uh, sienna uh, sienna mm-hmm. shaw is the name of the character and uh, you know she was a hit on the internet uh, with the tiktok generation because she has a wikipedia page devoted entirely to her oh, wow. <laughs> um, and this is the only media that she's ever been represented in so far as far as i'm aware um, Do you think she auditioned for uh, Wednesday, that Netflix show that people love? Because she's right there in that in that wheelhouse. I mean, if her agent is worth anything, then yeah, <laughs> you, you would at least submit a headshot or something. Fuck. Because yeah. <laughs> she kind of looks like that actress. I don't know who that actress is. Uh, um, Jenna Ortega. Yeah, there you go. Um, I haven't watched that show, but I've heard nothing about it. So I don't know. I am actually curious about it. Um, it, it looked somewhat promising. I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't seen it yet because the, the girlfriend it, is a big fan of of uh, mysteries and spooky shit, like witchy kind of stuff. 
and mm-hmm. she, uh, like it seems right up her alley even if it's not up mine so i'm surprised i haven't been pulled into that one just yet plus it's you know it's, it's tim burton it's kind of always I'm a sorry. dice roll these days which burton you're gonna get i'm creative yeah, I, yeah i'm not sure which tim burton you're gonna get but i mean people love that dance that's what i kept seeing is whatever dance she does oh yeah i seen yeah. i seen that on the instagram and stuff mm. Uh, yeah, dad's dead. And then if there were fucking eight minutes to cut out of this movie right away, it is this clown cafe song dream. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oof, this jingle. It's oh, rough. Oh, by the way, me. we, um, not to belabor the point, but we have had at least two synthwave working montages in the first mm-hmm. 15 minutes of our film. Yeah. Just, just saying, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I don't, Dude, I don't have you- any objection. Just throwing it out there. I'm trying to do what Damien couldn't do is fucking hit the gas on this thing. <laughs> Cut some shit out. <laughs> yeah, uh, folks at home, if you're not aware, what Kyle is trying to point out is this movie is very nearly two and a half hours long. Um, and it absolutely doesn't need to be. Um, it needs to be said also, both he and I liked this movie for the most part. Yeah. Like we we both had a good time with it. We both think it's a pretty good movie. Um, but I think he said an hour 45 could have been achievable mm-hmm. and i i i'm inclined to agree there's there are I mean, a lot of scenes that just have a few too many beats in them and just a few too many lingering shots that easily could have been trimmed and if you do that across the whole film you'll lose you'll lose minutes of it and it's to the benefit of us the viewer yeah because this scene just doesn't really make any sense i don't understand what it adds to the film other than maybe this is there is kind of a, a supernatural element. I don't know how much of a supernatural element there was in the first movie, but this movie more so, or at least this movie definitely does. And I think that this scene might be creating that for you. I viewer. think I think you're right. I think that that probably is the intent here. Um, and I, I used some terminology off the air that I'll, I'll introduce here. But um, uh, the first film didn't really have this. If memory serves, uh, it didn't really. It was very, very much grounded as well as grounded as something featuring Art yeah. the Clown can be, the immortal <laughs> killer clown. <laughs> but um, yeah, a Sienna uh, Etsy, uh, she goes to bed and she's watching TV. Uh, there's a clip from House on Haunted Hill, the original, on the TV. I was wondering, watching. I was that. I'm like, is it that or is it? Uh, I thought maybe it was um, Doctor Fibes. Oh, oh, I'm I like one way or another. I think that one was in color, if memory serves. Uh, the, was it the, okay? The Vincent Price film. I, I knew, <laughs> I knew that Vincent Price was involved with it somehow. But yeah, I wasn't sure which one it was. There's a few uh, movie nods, and one I didn't catch, or wasn't sure about. I was going to ask you about Night of the Living Dead is for sure one of them. Oh yeah, I mean they're coming for you, Barbara. That's pretty easy to spot. But yeah, this clip of the lady with the old lady, the old hag with the the contact lenses on the roller skates. Uh, that mm-hmm. is indeed from House on Haunted Hill. Uh, we also have what appears to be an animation crafted specifically for the film in the form of like a, a nun with a Tommy gun uh, shooting up mm-hmm. a bunch of people. It has almost like a Ren and Stimpy kind of quality to it. It's kind of cute. Very brief. And then, yeah, we cut to the Clown Cafe. Uh, holy fucking shit. This jingle uh, can suck my D. Uh- <laughs> suck it. Uh, yeah, it's a... a- a lady playing a banjo and the song is just called clown cafe song. And it's got a really strange, I feel like they should have been using different angles, some Dutch angles and maybe some like shots from underneath to make this seem a bit more dreamlike because it's, 
it seems a little more realistic the way it's happening, but it's so like it's so bizarre that you realize right away that it's a dream. Okay, so you you made mention of Dutch angles just now, um, mm-hmm. and this is uh, this isn't like a strong criticism to level against the film, but it is an observation that I, I made. Um, both of these films have the same DP. Um, I don't know who did like the majority of the lighting and whatnot, or if it was the same person, but. One thing I noticed about both of these Terrifier movies is that they're beautifully lit. Um, mm-hmm. Some very, very clever use of impressionistic lighting and very, very well considered um, lighting schemes and shot compositions. But in terms of camera movement, both mm-hmm. films are very static. And I feel like maybe that's intentional on some level because it does have a little bit of a, for lack of a better term, like grindhousey kind of feel to it. Where it's like there do, we go yes. doing doing kind of like eccentric Sam Raimi esque camera movements is not something that an ultra low budget film with not a lot of ambition would actually do. Like you you would shoot things flat because that's that's the kind of efforts that an on time on budget kind of production strives for. Um, so it does kind of have the appropriate look if that's indeed what they're going for. However, it is a little odd to me that it, the lighting schemes are so so expressive and so unique and vibrant and yet the way the camera navigates these spaces tends to be pretty flat like tends to be pretty Mm -hmm. plain um so yeah like a dutch angle or or some i don't know like toby hooper-esque like lighting like kind of think like uh creep show or something during this dream sequence would really hammer home the point that's like this is a capital d dream sequence um but as it stands it actually takes like a good 30 seconds before you really even know what you're looking at. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was just uh, thinking the, what movie did we cover where we were looking at the angles and we're like, this has got like, a, this is like a contemporary take on how a grindhouse film, like one of these old crappy horror movies would be shot. I feel like it's something that we watched or we covered for the podcast. I, I can't recall, but I feel like the practical effects are so much fun in this movie that if you just added that extra layer of eeriness to art like he's like you said he's kind of comical like he is kind of legit funny in some sequences but to kind of have him like there's one scene where he just pops into the kitchen like he just just pops in i'm like i feel like it would have been a lot more fun if you kind of let it build a little bit let him did i just see him come in like a little more suspenseful but do you think it would have worked in a film like this uh, one thing that like an idea that i i I agreed with you on um, that you threw out when, like before we started recording was that this, these movies feel very cohesive. Like they feel very much presented the way they're intended to be. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like there's cut corners. It feels like Damien Leone made the movie that he wanted to make. Um, and he did, he did have like uh, financiers backing this film, but he also had, you know, like a, a kickstarter program as well so there was like fine like financing in the form of like the fan base and whatnot as well and it did very well on that front um but what i'm getting at is that i feel like there's some very specific reason as to why the films present these films plural are presented the way they are and it just occurred to me that maybe it's to remain consistent so like say for instance you have like two two wild zooms like two wild like sam raimi-esque camera movements across a two and a half hour movie 
that's going to stick out like a sore thumb and feel like you did something on a whim that feels like out of step with the rest of the film so that's kind of cool that you did that but it's really it's really apparent that you just wanted to do that it's not Mm -hmm. what the film needed um so i'm talking and thinking at the same time so excuse me but um it just occurred to me that maybe maybe it's like a, a magician's mentality about things where when you're showing off your complicated and very well executed practical effects maybe there's a mentality of the best way we can we can present this is the flattest and most plain way where it's, it mm. doesn't we're making no attempt to hide anything we're just showing you it um, yeah. Kind of like a That's stage cool. magician would do where they're, you know, putting a hula hoop over a floating lady to show that there's no wires or something. Yeah. Just yeah, a thought. I, I got you. Yeah. It's like whipping out a flaccid penis, dude. Yeah. It's just confident. <laughs> you're just you're going after it. It's I like, think yeah. you're absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I do think there's one scene in particular, uh, her first friend that gets killed. Like there's no like jump or like, oh, it's just like we cut two mob opens the door and holy shit uh <laughs> the massacre it is pretty crazy but yeah maybe you're right maybe it doesn't need it and this film is i guess kind of it's unique in that way and that yeah it just has a pulse and it just stays with it the whole time uh, even when we're showing you the graphic shit yeah uh very confident filmmaking uh from yeah. for, from a fella who doesn't have many credits under his belt I I do want to say that he does seem to really have a good handle on on the craft of filmmaking. Uh, he did direct a, a movie called Frankenstein versus the Mummy, and it looks like it's going to be pretty stupid. But I think I'm going to go back. I might I might might watch that just to see what uh, see what he does there. Uh, Kyle, would you be down to do a uh, Universal Horror uh, Throwdown month? Or like, uh, yeah, for like, sure. Like Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, what was it? The Mummy versus Frankenstein, or Frankenstein versus the Mummy? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those kinds of movies. Would you be down to do a month of that? Because a lot of those are going to be absolute trash, and I know you're not exactly down for that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but those movies are like 78 minutes, so <sighs> they're they're totally digestible. Yeah, and you yeah. get to see a uh, Bear Lugosi as Frankenstein. Oh yeah, he did in fact play his nemesis Frankenstein at one Carla? point. <laughs> Fuck you, sidekick! Fuck I, you! I, I've seen Frankenstein, I've seen Dracula, and I've seen the Wolfman. I still think Wolfman is the is the best one to come out of those films that I've seen from that from that era, uh, in my opinion. Um, okay. I think that's Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. he was very famous for playing the Universal uh, Wolfman. Um, oh, big yeah, guy, big fucking head, big dome yeah. on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this this little dream sequence, uh, Etsy is in there, and you could tell it's a dream because she's almost paralyzed, like she can't move while this is all happening. And just to describe it to you, it looks like the uh, it looks like the thing that Bill Mar- Bill Murray's doing in Scrooge, like the the television uh, TV show that he's doing. It's a bunch of adults acting like kids, singing, and these little extras they are just going for it. And I can't imagine how many like how long they had to do this for. It seems like agony to have to do this as an actor. I hate to be mean, but these people stank. They they reeked of backers like financial backers on the film the, these possible. people yeah these people 
hit up that Patreon hard, and it got oh, you them mean onto the, the set. <laughs> you mean the chick who looks like Kat Von D? That lady? Yeah, she Pr- stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh huh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking. I'm like, that's either the directors. She either works on the production. I thought the other thing is it just might be people that work on the production, like just people that are like maybe I I got like horror enthusiasts uh, kind Mm -hmm. of vibes. Uh, People who paid a lot into the Patreon to get onto the set and eat some fucking squibs. (laughs) That lady's hair is black, but it she dyed it black. (laughs) (laughs) It did not come that way. Uh, she does not like her mom. Uh, yeah. So we get, uh, I guess the sequence is, uh, he just kind of comes out and then he pulls out a Tommy gun and just blasts them. Like he just blasts all these people away, which is fine, which is fun. I- I'm with it. We get I'll some, give you some a second, Kyle, but do you have a, a drop for that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, Art arrives on the scene. Um, by the way, the, the scene opens. And oh, wait, reason- I'm sorry. I'm just getting something in. I've just shot somebody. I did it on purpose. Is that better? There you go. <laughs> Art doesn't speak, but Charles Dance, uh, if you pay him enough, yeah. he'll, he'll service his mouthpiece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Art is introduced to the crowd. Um, the way the scene opens is we actually get a shot from the perspective of a television camera. So mm-hmm. it looks like we're on a, a set recording a commercial for the Clown Cafe. Um, and then, yeah, Art is brought on set and he rides around like an asshole on a little tricycle. And he has a bag. Of, he has his, his trademark garbage bag of treats that I kind of appreciate. It's like his Santa's sack of uh, mm-hmm. of garbage and weaponry. Um, and he hands out treats and Sienna refuses. She's dressed like Pippi Longstocking, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, he gives her a box with a heart. Uh, like a beating heart, like the organ, not not a Valentine's Day heart, uh, and worms. Uh, and then, yes, he uh, he uh, unleashes Squib City mm-hmm. onto the crowd of people. Um, this is straight out of Paul Verhoeven's uh, Robocop. Uh, just everybody here eats at least a dozen squibs. Uh, we get some really glorious makeup effects in the form of, I think, the security guard's face uh, just being turned into a bee's nest of holes <laughs> like he just gets honeycombed uh it's it's delightful it's truly gruesome but delightful yeah uh yeah and then we wake up and uh uh etsy was working on some wings that was kind of the big thing on her wall she wakes up and these wings are on fire uh she had been uh there i think there was a fire in the dream and it kind of comes into real life if i'm not mistaken yeah uh, art pulls out a blowtorch and he actually sets the the gal playing the the clown cafe song on fire she doesn't seem to care though good riddance <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah the like as the flames are, are going up on the stage uh sienna kind of starts to stir from her slumber and uh also her her own room catches fire the the wings that she was building earlier the film catch fire and as kyle said there is some mystical or magical stuff going on uh with the Mm -hmm. narrative of this film specifically there is mention later on in the film of uh her family her father specifically having some sort of uh, prophetic visions of some sort and apparently she does too she just seems to share that trait um and i actually like went out on a limb and tossed out the subject of magical realism uh, as Kyle and I were talking before we started recording, uh, if you're not aware of folks at home, it's a 
genre of fiction that generally involves stories that take place in our own reality that just happen to feature a component or two that is out of step with reality and unexplainable. Um, and this kind of made me think of that because there are elements of this that absolutely have no explanation, but you just kind of have to suck it down and, and stomach it because you're yeah. not going to be given an explanation. So therefore you can't ask. Um, yeah, and this is most certainly one of them where it's like, yep, those wings caught fire. There was no source for the flames. It just happened. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Etsy's just like, mom, I didn't leave a candle burning. You stupid bitch. And her mom <laughs> is just fucking laying into her. She's what the, what are you fucking stupid? Like, it's pretty great, but she insists that she, I mean, we, the viewers, I didn't see whether or not there was a candle lit, but now we're kind of being introduced to like, huh, maybe something is weird. Maybe something weird is going on here. It is easily explainable that a teenage person would leave a candle lit. I mean, yeah. A, mo- not- a moody teenage artist type leaving yeah. candles on in the room? <laughs> Never <laughs> happened. Yeah. No, they do, um, they very yeah. explicitly show her blow the candles out. So it's it's some sort of magical happening or like a psionic phenomenon as a result of the trauma of her dream or something. But by the way, any conversation that features her mother, you can put the you stupid bitch uh drop yeah. behind and it will be very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she lays into all these kids. Uh yeah. She really does. Yeah, and then uh, we get to, I think we shoot over to Art, and Art is making a weapon. Your ass better call somebody. Uh, that's the next step. We, ha- we have a pro wrestling cameo at the end of this movie. The next mm-hmm. step, Art's got to, he's got to drop an elbow on somebody. He's got to, he's got to <laughs> leg drop somebody. He's got to rock bottom somebody. He's got to steel chair somebody in the next film. Uh, please yeah. keep it going. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what exactly is the weapon he's concocting here? How would you I describe it? I refer to it as a cudgel. Um, it is featured on the, by the way, lovely uh, poster art for this film. I, I mm-hmm. adore the, the poster for this film. In, like, in particular, the font of the title, uh, that too is glorious. Um, and just the imagery is really beautifully rendered. I really like it. Um, I called it a cudgel, and what it is, it's it's like an antiquated piece of furniture, like a dining room table mm-hmm. leg with screws and uh, other bladed instruments hammered into it. So it's a makeshift mace, essentially. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's co- that's probably going to come in later, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, in the in the in the bathroom uh, towards the yeah. end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we get to school. Uh, this kid, the boy's name is Jonathan. Uh, he's kind of a little string beam with glasses. Um, he's got these two shithead friends, uh, which I am privy to myself around this age. I tend to have a few of these. Uh, but they are laughing at a dead possum next to a dumpster. Like all the other kids are waiting outside to go into school and these kids are talking about it. And it's, it's pretty gross. Um, and possums, if you don't know, Trevor, possums are actually pretty great. Um, they're not, they're generally non-aggressive. Uh, they eat, they, uh, their diet, uh, is mostly of ticks. So they're, they're pretty nice. That's a public uh, and, service. Yeah. That's a fucking public service. And, um, probably the best part is they're not a carrier of rabies. So if you see a possum out there, 
don't hurt them. Just leave them alone. They're good why, people. Why would you ever want to hurt a possum? Like Trevor, they, remember they, when I remember, <laughs> remember when I said I had shitbag friends? Well, I had some more of them in high school, and a common thing to do in the country, at least where I grew up, was you'd go spotlighting. It, let's just put it this way: you have a spotlight, a truck, and a gun. Ah, uh, you put it together. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, I had, it is fish in a barrel. They they kind of literally hang out a lot of times. Yeah. I hope all those people that told me they went out and did that are doing terrible in life. Uh, they are, they are, they are scum. All those kids uh, who ate paint chips back in the day, <laughs> they're doing yeah. just fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. So yeah, uh, they try to show it to this girl. They like, hey, check out the kitten just gave uh, gave birth, uh, and she comes over to see it. She runs off screaming. This teacher, dude, she fucking lays into these kids. It's pretty great. Like she, she five alarm dude, or seven alarm just goes off. Hey, hey, yeah, uh, this was a this was a cameo uh, from Felissa wow. Rose, uh, who's most famous. She she's been popping up in horror cinema for decades, but uh, she's most famous for being in Sleepaway Camp. Um, she's, uh, oh, is she the 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 sleepaway camp. person? Okay, yeah, the person. Yeah, <laughs> just leave yes, it at that. the person. Well, um, I know that movie, my reputation, and I know the I've seen the thumbnail for it occasionally. Yeah, it's iconic. It's it's yeah. utterly iconic. But yeah, she shows up and she makes the most of her minute of screen time. And yeah, she cusses these kids out. It's pretty great. Um, but yeah, we cut to class and uh, John. Uh, Sienna's brother, he is remorseful about what happened with the possum because that girl seemed mm-hmm. perfectly nice. Um, and she just yeah. you know, was disgusted at the sight of that. And uh, he gets himself a hall pass. Uh, if you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're thinking of a nightmare on Elm Street, anybody who's listening, but that's what I thought of when I said that just now. Um, but uh, John, uh, he finds uh, Art the, the clown uh, playing with the possum uh with the little clown girl uh, in the hallway so he can see the girl and i'm i'm not even sure i i have to assume art was actually here because we do have physical evidence of his presence later um anyway he's scared off and by the way this gets really graphic they eviscerate this possum uh, it is mm-hmm. torn inside out essentially um and john the little brother gets blamed for having brought the possum into the school because no one else saw the clown or, of course, the, the ghost girl. Uh, so yeah. John gets punished pretty badly for that. And then we cut to Sienna, or a.k.a. Etsy, at school. Yeah. Um, I think this... Uh, I think we missed something. Uh, the news report that was yes. happening when she goes to sleep. I, I had to write it down here because I thought it was just kind of like that Rob Zombie. We just have content on the TV. But there was a mutilated woman left from the first movie, or... yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if memory serves, the first movie actually opens with this woman. Uh, and it's an interview between an interviewer who's, who's known to have like a shitty reputation and a woman who has been robbed of her face, essentially, by Art the Clown. Uh, she's the only she's the sole survivor of the events of the first film. And she actually assaults uh, the the interviewer uh, during the prologue of the first film. Um, oh. And uh, we get footage from that interview shown during this movie when art is crafting his his uh his cudgel and he doesn't seem too happy about it like he kicks the tv after he sees it um but we have that referenced that interview that we saw earlier in this film 
uh, referenced here when all the teens are gossiping about what they saw or they heard on TV the other day. Um, and basically what they heard is that that lady that ain't got no face, uh, she made sure that interview doesn't have a face now. Um, so somebody else got badly mutilated. They're uh, freaking Sienna out to the point that she kind of like runs off uh, and they, they have a little chat here. Um, and she tells them all about what happened in her room, about it catching fire and stuff. And they all kind of back down. They're like, okay, well, you're going through some shit. Sorry. Sorry to talk about people getting mutilated when you're having a rough time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I think mom, mom was just livid at the boy. Apparently uh, he, I think had to go home from school, but she's pretty pissed off at, uh, at him. Um, I don't know what else happens here, but Etsy gets to the Halloween store because her wings are burnt and she has to get uh, a new pair. Yeah, this is an example of a scene that's for what it is, is pretty cool. Like it's it has some really cool moments. Unfortunately, it's over long because um, yeah. we spend quite a lot of time in a mostly empty co- uh, costume shop. And uh, Sienna is going to buy those wings that Kyle had mentioned. Uh, and there's a cute moment where one of Sienna's friends bumps into Art the Clown and uh, mm-hmm. they just she has a verbal exchange with him. He doesn't you know, reply he or anything. Talk, yeah. yeah, he doesn't say nothing, but she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he gives her a gesture. And then one thing that this actor, uh, David Howard Thornton, is very, very, very solid about is expressing himself um, and, and having like a bipolar quality to him where. Art can go from being completely exuberant and joyful to like something about the construction of the makeup and that that hook nose that he has when he wants to frown when he's mopey you see it you see it from across the room and so like he gives her like oh it's no big deal and then as soon as she walks away he's like "Mm." (laughs) Like, and it's like i'm gonna remember you lady or maybe he doesn't but it sure felt like it when we get to her but um yeah uh, there's a nice little montage where he's uh it's not a montage, but it's a sequence where he's kind of antagonizing a Sienna or a mm-hmm. nice jump scare. Very nice jump scare where she's purse. already nervous. Yes, the purse. Yeah. Uh, she's already nervous because she's seen him. He hasn't done anything, but he's been lingering and, and it's he's creepy looking. Um, and she's trying to go for her wallet to like pay for her wings and stuff. And then she's about to say, I forgot my purse downstairs. And then Art just there's a hard slams cut her. and he just slams her purse down on the counter and just stomps off without a word or without a gesture. Very yeah. effective jump scare. Like it's, that's a nice, are you paying attention kind of sequence? And then I did like him wearing all the sunglasses. Like there, there's some good comedy in there. Unfortunately, like I said, it's like, did we really need to see him wear all the shades or like, I, I would have been fine with just one or two, honestly. He's channeling his Tim Curry in it when he's in the uh, in the library doing the aha aha, but he's doing it internally. Like he, just... he does in fact break out the exact same noisemaker, the poorly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Damien Leone actually said that he was inspired by Tim Curry's performance as Pennywise, um, but he wanted to take it in the opposite direction. Because Pennywise is very verbose. He, he talks constantly. Um, but he was like, I like that image. But how about if we do it in pantomime instead? So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's very candid about the things that inspire him. And it's you can see it readily like apparent on the film. But um, long story short, uh, Sienna is allowed to leave. She does get her Halloween costume completed. 
However, uh, there is the matter of the cashier. Uh, yes. art, art can't show up in a scene without doing something. Uh, so, yeah. Kyle, do you remember how this went down? Uh, no, this one was pretty quick. I think he drags him over the counter or he stabs him in the head with a broken bottle uh, because the the clerk is kind of coming down on him a little bit. He's like, hey, you need to leave. Uh, and he drags him over. And does he just smash his face in? I don't remember what happens to the clerk. So he breaks a beer bottle on the clerk's face and then he takes the top half of it and jams it in his eye socket and then he throws him over the counter and so he's on the ground and he takes a rusted cleaver uh to like kind of the temple of this dude and he chops mm-hmm. chops his head open and it leads to a full on on the neck depacketation yes. um and this is where they they start to combine uh technologies here just a little bit where they it's executed beautifully to the point where it's like this is mostly a practical effect however i think they transposed like um the act like components of the actor's face onto onto the practical prop uh to to sell to sell the effect wholeheartedly because there's certain things that a prosthetic can't achieve such as like a, a human being's eye is very different from like an actual like prop eye like they just have different qualities to them they capture light differently they move very differently so I think they actually took the live performance of the guy's face and transposed it onto the prop. But anyway, depacketation. It's very bloody. Very nice. Um, yeah. Then we get a family squabble about the boy. Uh, and then Art goes to a friend's house. Goes to the friend's house, I do believe. I'm not sure which friend this was. Um, but I think he shows up. And then we also show uh, Etsy getting ready to go out for Halloween tonight. Yeah, uh, so this was the same friend that he bumped into at the costume shop, by the okay, way. Yeah. He just shows up as a trick-or-treater and she refuses him. Yeah. Uh yeah, then we just so yeah, Etsy's getting ready, and then I called her this girl if Evan Rachel Wood got into meth, basically. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, so she's just, you know, I think she's like uh maybe messing on her computer, or maybe doing something, but she's gonna probably start getting ready to go off for Halloween. Uh, and then she thinks she hears a noise and I think she goes into the other room or downstairs and they guess sliding glass door is completely broken and which is concerning. Uh, but I don't think that was the noise she heard. I thought it was maybe she just heard like somebody like maybe bump into a wall or something. Yeah, that's kind of what I got, too. But yeah. either way, uh, it leads to art stepping into frame. Uh, mm-hmm. This was this was a stylistic choice where she's looking into the kitchen and then from outside of the frame from her pov just art just walks in and he helps himself to a glass of water Uh, (laughs) well i mean you gotta hydrate he's about to get real active here in just a second uh so he also brandishes a couple of bladed instruments i think it's like a pair of scissors and a scalpel or something uh Mm -hmm. and uh he chases her up the stairs um and uh this is this happens pretty much at the midway point of the movie and its placement is very deliberate because it is probably the centerpiece of the film yes. uh, in terms of yes. makeup effects on display. Uh, it doesn't get better than this. Um, it doesn't get a whole lot worse or anything. It's just this is the biggest and loudest it's going to get. Um, so mm-hmm. this is this is like the, the the top of the rising action in terms of uh, spec like makeup effects spectacle. But um, 
Yeah, uh, he slices her eyeball in half uh, vertically. Uh, not something you see on film all the time. So we have uh, teeth trauma and eyeball trauma galore in this film, both things that not everybody's okay with. Uh, 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 one that is underplayed a lot of times is uh, ear trauma. Mm -hmm. I know uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Five or six. I think it's six. I think because okay. that's like one of the only good kills in that movie, if memory serves. Mm -hmm. uh, the kid with the hearing aid. That, that kill in particular, a lot of people have issues with it's like it's a goofy ass movie it's 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 a looney tunes horror movie but that sequence in particular drives people nuts um but yeah she gets her one eyeball sliced in half vertically and then he proceeds to uh saw her scalp off mm -hmm. uh and uh he goes to town on her back with the scalpel uh stabbing uh and then he just he kind of breaks his he just he, decides to get in there. He just he just digs his fingers in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he breaks her arm like a chicken bone, uh, just snaps it right at the elbow. And uh, yeah. And then he leaves her to kind of crawl around a little bit. And the way they did this arm now, was, do you think this was an actress who had a prosthetic arm? Or because I was looking at him like, she's not wearing any kind of, because she's in her underwear, her bra and underwear, basically. And there's nothing, it doesn't look like anything is, it doesn't look digitally rendered. Like it, I, I don't know. I thought maybe this might have just been an actress who had a prosthetic arm. Yeah. That, like normally, like especially in a $250,000 movie. Wow. That's, yeah. that is commendable. They accomplished a whole hell of a lot for that. Uh, yes. Hats off, uh, Damien Leon. That's very impressive. Um, normally, you can see seams of some sort if the, if a digital effect is involved, like like a, a weird shadow or a blur mm -hmm. of some sort, like a, around the armpit area or something or around the flanks. I didn't see that either. Um, I don't know how they did this. They very may they very well may have gotten like an amputee actor. Um, they've done that in cinema before, if memory serves. Uh, uh, the thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. I think they did that for the Doctor uh, with the defib defibrillator. Um, and, uh, I know in Spider-Man three, uh, there's one specific shot where in Spider-Man has to punch through the Sandman's torso and they just put a amputee stuntman in, in that shot. So he could do the whole motion, like, like do it vigorously and not have any issue of making contact with the actor's torso, but maybe, hmm. I don't know. I, I don't recognize this actress. Maybe she only has one arm. I don't know. Um, but very well executed effect. It's very unnerving to look at for sure <laughs> but yeah. um i did like um th this sequence this sequence is actually difficult because it's also mean um this this is where like gore movies start to start to toe a line that starts to get a little uncomfortable or i just mean <laughs> i was i didn't know if you had that one or not but i'm so glad you do because we both of us use that one a lot. That's just mean, man. <laughs> That's just mean, man. <laughs> yes, this scene was it was cruel, but she's so like so deformed. Like she's just so horrendously injured at this point that it's comical. Like it's not you you don't really feel bad for this person that it's happening to because they're not a they're, they're almost not a person anymore. At well, this it, point. it's the uh it's the the alleyway fight and they live where it's like it after three and a half minutes of rowdy rowdy piper punching keith david 
it starts to get funny. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's just like, I don't care what we're doing. It's like, I know we're doing violence to each other, but this is just silly now, man. <laughs> like you take it to such an extreme that it starts to come back around. Um, but they do some shit here. Like they do some of that filmmaking shit here where during this rampage, we're actually sprinkling in shots of her bedroom. Cause that's, this is where all this chaos is happening, by the way. Um, and she has like stereotypical teenage ornaments like around like yeah. a, a banner that says blessed and stuff. Yeah. And it's like cutting to pictures of her with her friends having a good time. It's like, yeah. like, like James Coburn said, that's just mean, it man. Mean. It, it is. <laughs> it is pretty. Yeah. It's pretty cruel, but in a very slapstick hoary way in my yeah. opinion like, but yeah. the main thing to keep in mind is that that's not all <laughs> no <laughs> we're not done he, yet <laughs> yeah he comes back with uh, a gallon of bleach and salt i'm like you asshole like <laughs> the salt <laughs> you little asshole <laughs> you little asshole um yeah and he just he does exactly what you think he's gonna do he dumps bleach and salt on her and she does not enjoy it yeah he gives her a, a rock salt massage <laughs> on all her open wounds and uh the scene concludes for now um put a pin in that uh yeah. with him tearing off half of her face uh with his bare hands and it's just like cut away uh so we cut to mom uh jane Kaxmarek, uh watching night of the living dead it just so happens to be their the uh they're coming for you barbara scene yeah um and she does have a nice line here where she's chastising her daughter uh for her uh revealing outfit that she's going to wear out to halloween she says when did yeah. halloween become synonymous with sex <laughs> it's like the fucking 80s dude like <laughs> it's been a, it's been like that for a long time yeah uh, yeah but uh yeah this outfit is quite revealing and uh well let's let's actually i i think that this outfit isn't too bad and we, I, I talked about this before. It's kind of shocking the way that these horror movies have kind of taken a turn uh, compared to what our childhood, uh, the movies that we grew up watching. Because I mean, you if you can get through the Friday the uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies without seeing boobs, it's impossible. You just can't. It, yeah. it cannot be done. You cannot. <laughs> it cannot be done. Uh, and same with like that. I mean it's borderline softcore porn in that uh that friday the 13th remake like it just gets insane but nudity was a bit more prevalent i think for us and i was kind of surprised that the turn that horror cinema has kind of taken where it's not as popular like it's not as common uh and this movie i was kind of surprised about oh there's probably going to be some some naked kills there, there aren't any. And uh, like the one we just talked about, she's in her bra and underwear. And this outfit that uh, Etsy's wearing, well, yeah, it is revealing, but it's not really that bad, honestly, no. for, for what for what Halloween is. But And it's also just enough for the mom's like, it's pretty inappropriate. I think you should probably change. But it's also teetering that line. We're just like, well, come on, mom. I'm, I'm a senior. And she's like, all right, fuck it. Um, but I did. Did you dig? Did you catch this little this little thing where mom says like right before she leaves she goes hey dad would love it and I'm just like did was dad like a costume designer for Jason and the Argonauts like what, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did, did what, he what work the on the set of Xena Warrior Princess <laughs> I don't know if she pays attention to like how dads interact with their teenage daughters but I'm not sure he would like it yeah there's if a lot of there's a lot of 
one-armed around the shoulder hugs that happened between fathers and teenage daughters. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if dad would love it. Like no. not not in the house. Just like it's just, <laughs> it's just, um, oh. But yeah, it is mentioned several times in the film that dad is an artist of some sort. I don't I don't know what his job was or if he just was an avid sketch artist or whatever. But this design, this kind of like uh, World of Warcraft or Val- Valkyrie-esque design, I don't know what the fuck this is supposed to be, uh, comes from his sketchbook. So this is his daughter uh, taking his work and bringing it to life. Well, who's the lady that hangs out with Thor? and uh and the hulk she meets him in thor ragnarok she's like the the drinky lady who ends up catching him is she valkyrie uh yes valkyrie okay that's kind of like (laughs) an interpretation of her outfit or whoever those folks are but yeah i think that's kind of what i had in mind as who she's supposed to be yeah it it has kind of a generic fantasy female like seraphim warrior uh, kind of yeah. vibe to it uh, it's well constructed apparently it was not very comfortable to wear uh, <laughs> uh, apparently it caused uh, bruises and rashes uh, to wear it there was there was a significant amount of chafing is what i'm getting to um yeah. but to her credit uh you know lauren lavera she she wears the hell out of it and uh she really goes for it in this film like she like this could not have been fun to be on set wearing all the time, especially if it was fucking cold out. <laughs> Do you think that she got the same response that Michelle Pfeiffer got on the set of Batman Returns? Yeah, is this uncomfortable? I don't care. I'm gonna wear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the story goes that uh, Damien Leone has been trying to realize this particular character on film for quite a while. Uh, he's very attached to this character, Sienna Shaw. I don't exactly know in what manner or to what extent, but apparently it was a big deal for him personally. Um, So we'll we'll see where he takes it uh, because we actually don't get a whole lot of the character. Honestly, they're, they're fairly generic uh, final girl uh, aside from their attire and uh, their familial connections and apparent ability to uh, see prophetic visions um, every, every now and again. And then uh, we go back to the first friend's house and mom is coming home and she's just like, hey, whatever your name is, do you there's a whole bowl of candy down here. We guess we didn't get too many trick or treaters. And she's like, are you here? Whatever your name is. And she kind of goes upstairs and opens up her daughter's bedroom door. And the words that I use were yowza. <laughs> <laughs> whoa dude whoa yeah this is something else did not see that coming um so yeah uh this is i don't know i'm trying to think of how to describe this honestly this looks like pizza the hut (laughs) i mean it looks like she like somebody threw a grenade into her bedroom and she jumped on it with her stomach and then this is what happened but all over the room, basically. Yeah, and then some asshole kids with sticks showed up and started poking her <laughs> for two yeah. hours or something. Yeah, this is this is what happens when art uh, spends a little too much time. Like it's like, dude, you were done a while ago. Like it's it's like a <laughs> well, it's like a painting or something, man. It's like, dude, it's one too many layers. You were you were done. You had it, and you just kept this working was, it. <laughs> this is the practical effects equivalent of you shook it more than twice. Okay, <laughs> this is. <laughs> 
now you're playing. This is a lot. <laughs> now you're playing with it, dude. It, I, I, I'm not even gonna describe it for you, the listener. Just, uh, just watch this movie and take this in because yeah. it's it's worth it to see this at least. Yeah, and they also do that same effect where they uh, digitally project part of her her face onto the onto the puppet because it is very much a puppet uh, to to really sell the effect, but point is uh they are alive when they start to eat you um Oof. this this poor gal is, is not yet quite dead and actually speaking of uh the television version of stephen king's it uh this sequence where the mom runs into the room kind of made me think of that that tv movie because the end of part one is a uh, is the one fella uh committing suicide in the bathtub um, the guy from the thing yeah and uh yeah actually um very different role but yeah same <laughs> um, yeah. his wife walks into the room and it keeps cutting back and forth between like the word it written on in blood on the wall and her face so stupid and this yeah. lady actress is going ah! oh! <laughs> it's just so big do it in so the big. butt <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, is that not the right drop? Sorry, I didn't mean to do it's that. It's always the right <laughs> drop, Kyle. But yeah, um, mom gets it here, but off screen but, as well. I mean, but this, I mean, there's a little aftershock with this whole sequence here because what happens coming up is just, mm, just chef's kiss. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, it, is. it is. Yeah. So yeah, that's I'm like, yeah, also that's a practical effects. And then we get to the Halloween party. Uh, man, I love a good halloween party this this is a pretty legit looking halloween party uh and her friend who i think looks like katherine hahn uh, yes yes yeah. the, the nose the mouth yeah she just has to kind of drop her voice a little bit honey <laughs> and then she could absolutely play her as a younger as a younger person yeah yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right folks at home if you don't know who that is just look it up and you'll go oh her that very funny lady who's in everything yes um, no joke man she's even in the marvel studios these days is she oh she's in uh olsen wandavision wanda wandavision she's getting yeah, her own show too is she really good for yeah. her yeah uh i like her she's hard not to like yeah um yeah so we get over there and she's just like my mom's gonna get pissed at me if i drink tonight she's like just have a little bit it's not a big deal uh we get another little reference, but it's so quick. Only us, only us cinephiles are really going to catch it. Um, uh, I'm going to call her Babs because that's Catherine Hahn's character from uh, The Goods, the Don Reddy movie. So Babs, uh, her boyfriend comes up and scares her. What's he wearing, Trevor? Oh, uh, he has he has a uh, a sheet uh, that doubles as a ghost outfit, um, and he comes up uh, behind Catherine Hahn, aka Babs. Uh, and it also has glasses on it. Um, yes. It's uh, very clearly a reference to the original Halloween film. Uh, and then underneath that, though, he also has a T-shirt, a very lewd T-shirt that I would not be caught dead wearing in public that says just the tip. And it has a bloody yeah. knife on it. <laughs> yeah, no, just uh, this guy's in high school, right? Okay, or just got out of high school. Not with that chin. Not with that chin. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is fucking 30 years old dating a high school student easily. Uh, yeah, dude, I didn't realize like how easy of a Halloween costume that could be. And I could yeah, basically just cut a mouth hole for a drink and just walk around with a sheet and glasses on. It would be pretty brilliant. Um, and actually, you could just keep that Michael Myers energy 
uh, and just not talk. <laughs> you just walk around. People are like, who are you supposed to be? And just, just breathing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she, I think she has like a drink or whatever, maybe a couple, but she gets out there and they're, they're dancing. She's really getting into this dancing. But uh, before we get back to the dancing, we have to cut back to her friend's house. There are some trick-or-treaters there. And this was pretty, pretty brilliant, I have to say. This is pretty well done. Yeah, this is very cute. Uh, so Allie, by the way, is the name of the friend who had the extended death sequence. Um, we're at Allie's house and a bunch of trick-or-treaters come by and a mom is with them, by the way. They do have <laughs> they do have a chaperone. Um, and uh, they ring the doorbell and Art the Clown uh, shows up and uh, he serves them candy uh, in a bowl uh, crafted lovingly uh from ali's mother's head yes uh, with with the top of the skull cut off. head that's yes. a, that's a woman's head dude this, <laughs> i just rewatched tropic thunder and where damien steps on the mine blows up and then it's just his head and ben stiller's got the the head on, on there and they all think it's funny like this is kind of a moment where you and I, the viewer, are watching this and like, holy shit, that's the mom's head. And he's just giving the, the kids get to take one piece of candy out of there. And the kids are like, one is like, oh, that's cool. The other one's like, oh, it's kind of weird. And the mom's just like, whoa, guys, that's pretty crazy, huh? But no one p- figures it out that it's a human head that he is serving candy out of. Yeah, there, there's so pretty many, diabolical. There's so many precious little reactions in here, though, because like the one kid's complaining about it being sticky. And the mom's mm. like, oh, it's okay. It's just corn syrup. <laughs> just <laughs> corn syrup. <laughs> uh, but, I was giving, but yeah, I was my, giving my favorite though was uh when the one kid reaches for a second one and art gives him smacks, a slap. Yeah. <laughs> he gives yeah, him a slap. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. I was gonna say, I was giving this a joker in the jail cell, just clap like good job with that guys that was pretty dark uh yeah. So Etsy, uh, I wrote down like Etsy's getting drunk and probably something else because uh you know drunk dancing is pretty standard but she's like really feeling this uh and let's see here she goes outside to like take a breather and it's pretty clear that she's probably on something else but some dude comes up to her for no apparent reason and it never comes up later he's just like hey can i get a picture with you and she's like yeah sure takes a picture with him and he walks off uh he's dressed like randall from specifically clerks too but you never see the movie. You never see the little little cow on there. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be dressed like Randall. Yeah. In retrospect, I I am inclined to agree. Uh, I of course noticed the selfie thing happened. But Kyle and I talked about this before we started recording. I didn't notice the reference because the man's build uh, was considerably wider. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> than, than, yeah, he was a little on the husky side, and to me. That kind of completes the package that helps maintain the illusion uh, if one is intending to appear as Randall. Um, but yeah, uh, Sienna is actually, she started out really uh, pensive. Um, she actually entered the club with uh, with Babs, uh, just like buried in her phone trying to text Allie, who is of course mostly dead at this point, probably all the way dead at this point. Um, but after she's had a drink, uh, she's shown to be kind of feeling herself. Uh, she's kind of giddy, honestly, and she's been dancing. Oh, yeah. She's been having a good time. Uh, and by the way, uh, in the meantime, her brother uh, has called uh, their mom the B word. Uh, and oh, yeah. T- taken off and like run out into the streets uh, in a huff. They had an argument. He took off. Um, 
and mom is hitting the wine pretty fucking hard because uh, yeah she, you know it's halloween night and her son is having a freak out and her daughter's she's worried about her daughter uh, and then yeah. she goes into the garage for some reason uh to find it vandalized uh, in yes. the garage mind you uh badly vandalized this is some tp this is some some smash jack-o-lanterns and the word biatch uh scrawled in shaving cream yeah. on the windshield quite the spectacle yeah it it's quite yeah it, it probably took a little while to get done um but yeah so it's been it's it's gotten pretty bad uh Babs and uh, Etsy end up uh, kind of meeting up and they are both clearly rolling. Like I'm like, they're <laughs> like, they're either at ecstasy or, or Molly, but one way or another, there's MDMA in their system. And come to find out Babs pulled an Ari Shafir and she uh, threw a, threw, threw a Molly pill into her drink. And she's just like, Oh, really? Which it's kind of a, really shitty thing to do to somebody uh <laughs> especially if they might be also taking medication uh she is she exactly. is taking other i think she said xanax at one point um and by the way it, it was it's really not emphasized but apparently sienna was institutionalized at one point um i don't mm-hmm. know when um but yeah she's mixing medications here and her friend just casually slipped her some molly <laughs> well, mixing Z- Z- mixing Xanax with alcohol is a blackout waiting to happen. So, good God, um, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, so Jonathan is like rolling through the uh, rolling through the the neighborhood. Here's a, uh, a car horn. Turns around. There's this ugly black van, and that little ugly clown girl is in there. Um, so he's seeing the clown girl again. I don't think he sees art, but it. Either way, he's definitely seeing them again. Yeah, this, um, this van's been spotted earlier in the film too. It was parked outside of Allie's house uh, when when Art showed up trick or treating and stuff. So I guess this is the the Art Mobile, uh, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, Mom calls uh, Etsy. She's just like fucking check, fucking goddamn fucking shit, <laughs> and she's just like this fucking. She's going for, yeah, just full Joe Pesci on the other side, uh, and she's just like your little shithead brother fucked up the car and she's like have you been drinking and she's like not a lot which is not not a lot she has not had very much no, to drink no, but one, also one just drink. don't don't tell her that you're one of your best friends spiked you with uh mdma just keep that we'll just keep <laughs> that on the on the down low for now <laughs> but i do like how she gets out of this she's just like mom i love you and she's just like oh, i love you too just be God careful I'm like, that's all you had to do that's all you had to do to get out of trouble Let's just be like yeah, listen, listen, Dad, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm going to keep partying. I'm going to keep partying, but I love you, okay? Okay, bye. That shit doesn't work. Uh, if only it was Single mom, easy. man. Single mom. Single mom ain't got time for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, somehow it magically works. It, it, it calms her right the fuck down. Um, and this is, you know, another example of the movie being that that's just mean man uh because we have a touching moment between mother and daughter uh who have been shown to have a rocky relationship up to this point in the film uh it seems like they're on the way to reconciling whatever differences they might have and then oh hey arc the clown uh appears in the car that mom is currently trying to clean up in her home in her garage um and he blows her fucking head off uh he blows the back of her head off against the back wall uh, with a double barrel shotgun. 
Um, it's the most sawed off double barrel shotgun I've ever seen in my entire life. It's literally the handle and then like two inches of barrel. Like, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's like a Nerf gun, but <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. a bazooka. <laughs> it is not street legal. Uh, yeah, Mad, Mad Max would be very proud. But um, by the way, this felt like a little bit of a reference to um, the slasher movie Maniac. Um, there's that infamous or famous sequence where tom savini gets his head blown off uh with a shotgun uh felt very similar although it's the inverse because tom savini was in the car not shooting from within the car i guess um but yeah you think this direct do you think this director's heard of savini oh i I, (laughs) no way no he's so he's so underground kyle you have to you have to be like really up on your shit to know tom savini Going out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But now, Trevor, we have the unfortunate, we have the unfortunate task of getting through Act Three of this mm-hmm. film. It's coming up here, so yeah. we'll have, we're going to try to cut corners as much as possible because this this the last what hour of this movie nearly is uh, the, it's just too much. That that sequence with Ali, like I said does happen roughly the midway point of the movie. Um, and in terms of location changes and in terms of kill count, not a whole lot left, honestly, after that no, point. We're... But like, like what, what's here is good. The only problem is it's padded to shit, uh, which is a little yeah. bit of a problem in terms of the pacing of your film. But by the way, pain makes the rhythm, Kyle. Pain makes the rhythm is the song that plays here. Because <laughs> we cut back to the club and uh, Sienna is rocking the fuck out. Uh, and she has a vision of the clown girl. Um, so apparently she has the ability to see the clown girl uh, in the club. Either. You got the power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what, that, that actually has like double meaning for me because that song is a Stan Bush song that is featured in Transformers the movie, <laughs> um, which Kyle, of course, wouldn't know. Um, but for yeah. me, the first time I saw Boogie Nights and he started singing that and he started Ooh. singing The Touch, I was like, whoa, whoa, Man. my wires are getting crossed in the best of ways. <laughs> I was having what a good time. Now I'm having a great time. If there ever was a film with just better shot and executed uncomfortable sequences, it's it. I don't think you can beat that movie. Yeah. Boogie Nights is special, man. Boogie Nights yeah. is special. Um, um, yeah, she sees the clown girl and she freaks out, so they give her a ride home, or they try to give yeah. her a ride home. Yeah, uh, they chit chat back and forth. Uh, Art is at home with Jonathan and mom at the table. Uh, it's uncomfortable. I think he does. He he starts uh, feeding her mashed potatoes. Like he, Jonathan's like looking at the table, and he starts like shoving the mashed potatoes into her face which is by the way there's not a face there yeah it's a it's a face hole uh, it's, yeah. it's basically it, it's it's chunky salsa wearing wig honestly is what it is um, yeah uh, it's a it's a it's a can of spaghettios with uh with the wig on <laughs> fuck that makes me want to rash <laughs> spaghettios in general just make me want to vomit <laughs> Yeah, no, they're pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> you can tell how much your parents loved you by how often you had them. <laughs> oh, that's, that's and they probably... hated you if it had the little meatballs in it. They hated uh, you. I hate to say it, but that's, I, pro- that's probably true. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm dead serious. Uh, yeah, so the little... <laughs> 
so the little ghost girl pulls a T-1000 and calls Etsy. And I do like how uh, the little ghost girl and uh, Art are like snickering at her doing the phone call. Like, hey, you got to come meet me at this abandoned carnival place or whatever. The fairgrounds. That's where you got to pick me up. And she's on MDMA. So she's like, okay, that seems reasonable. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, she, of course she'd buy into it. She's not right in the head in this moment. But yeah, this this is where the, the lines of reality start to get very blurry, where it's like, the, the ghost girl is making phone calls? But then again, you know, the ghost enthusiasts out there, who I'm fairly certain there's a decent amount of crossover between horror heads and ghost people. <laughs> it's probably, probably some crossover, maybe. Well, they would yeah. point out that, you know, electronic electronics and supernatural phenomenon tend to go hand in hand so maybe there's something there or you know maybe art can actually talk um but we're not aware of it because we have she's like servings the projection that doubles as his mouthpiece i don't fucking know point is the ghost makes a phone call (laughs) and it, it calls our main character because we still have some movie left in fact a lot of movie left yes uh yeah the head of the fairgrounds uh etsy gets out of the car um babs and her boyfriend have a talk about how uh etsy's dad had like a brain tumor and her mom made mention of it earlier that he was not himself like he was just he was kind of going off the deep end and apparently it made him act irrationally and he was he was into something i I wasn't really paying attention to exactly she was saying i got the gist and like dad had some mental issues so Maybe this is all in her head or something okay, like that. So I'm, I'm going to pause for a second because this the movie doesn't emphasize this a lot, but this seemed very important because the sketchbook is something that is it's like a, a totem. It's an item that is brought up and it's given a lot of emotional weight to it where it, apparently Sienna and John's dad had a sketchbook and it's very unclear as to when these drawings were being made, like if they're preemptively or if they're during or after the fact i don't know but he has sketches of people who were murdered in the first film in his sketchbook Mm. and then the last image in the sketchbook is uh the valkyrie woman uh, the outfit that sienna's wearing at this point in the film holding the head of a monster which of course spoiler alert is how this film concludes um so it's kind of teased that somehow he was having visions or something but again i don't know if he was seeing it ahead of time or if he was seeing it when it was happening but this is where i i started to spin some theories and i was like is art her dad or some shit or i thought maybe that that might come up like like maybe art was her dad there there did seem to be a moment where it might happen but i'm like i don't think so i don't i don't think so but like bear with me like i was having thoughts that i don't i really don't think that's the case but i was trying my best to make sense of a lot of things that don't make sense um so they tell the story uh babs and jeff the man with the chin uh and soon soon to be man without a dick um they're having a chat about Sienna, a.k.a. Etsy. And yeah, everything Kyle said is true. He did have a brain tumor. He was having visions. He got abusive towards the end of his life. And then the way Babs phrases it is he got drunk and he drove into a transformer. Uh, and then he was electrocuted and caught fire and died. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is big fucking stretch. But the, um, the end of the first Terrifier movie, um, like I said, Art to Clown shoots himself in the mouth and goes to the coroner's office. 
when he is reanimated, there's an electrical phenomenon in the coroner's office where like all the computers and all the lights start flashing and go haywire for a few seconds. And then I believe there's some other references to electrical phenomenon um, in reference to the, the title of the film terrifier and then also art to clown. So I was like, so the dad died via crashing into an electrical transformer. You know, it's, it's, it's a line of thinking. I don't know if it makes any fucking sense, but it's like somehow maybe he was transformed into or some part of his essence gave way to art to clown. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe his life force went into art to reanimate him. Maybe he was just a soul to get put in to reanimate him. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not important. It was just me trying to make sense of stuff that we don't have answers to, but um, by the way, John, uh, AKA the ghost girl speaking for John texts that he is in the terrifier. Uh, so we have a yes. title drop. It's actually a carnival ride um, that he wants to meet Sienna in. Um, so we cut to John. Uh, he is in a room full of spooky dolls. Uh, by the way, uh, the first Terrifier film looked like it had a doll in it from uh, the uh, the movie Deep Red. It looked like the design of the doll was deliberately lifted from that one. I could be wrong. Uh, Brad from Cinema Speak podcast, you would be able to correct me on that if I was wrong, but uh we see that the clown girl has mutilated her face but it gets better uh because it's not like this towards the end of the film uh it's just a kind of random scare gag uh, out of nowhere mm. uh and uh sienna's friends are making out while she's wandering the carnival grounds uh they do some blow by the way always a good yes. thing when you're in a slasher movie to break out the hard drugs yeah, it's nice to be uh, pressuring your high school girlfriend who's already on MDMA to do some cocaine with you in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> illegal. What you're doing is illegal. Uh, yeah. They, uh, yeah. So she, he's just like, they're getting kind of hot and heavy. She's like, I got to fucking text Ashley. Well, Etsy. Uh, she's like, I need to text her to see what's going on. He's like, fuck. All right, fine. I'm outside to pee. Uh, so uh, I think he tries to scare her. Like he scares her and then she's like, oh, I'm going to pour out all your cocaine. And he's like, no, don't do it. Uh, and then he's peeing out in front of the car and you see uh, somebody has um, drawn on the side on his uh, on his uh, driver's side uh, window, just the tip. And I'm pretty sure you were like me. You're just like, oh, no, we're going to get some dick trauma like this is. We're going to get a snip. We're going to get a like just scissors are going to come up and snip the tip. But uh, that is not what we get. Exactly. Yeah, actually, I was kind of shocked by not tame. the restraint. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Actually, to like if I'm being honest, this was showing some degree of restraint in a movie that generally doesn't do that. I, I was like, yeah. this, this could have been a lot worse, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, I was shifting in my seat like, oh, no, this oh, is going to get ugly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's actually pretty succinct. And not all that bad when you really think about it. Like at least if you compare it to other things in the movie. So yeah, uh, Art Art D Clown. Uh, he he's just kind of he's just kind of like odd job. If you've ever played Goldeneye on N sixty four, he like crouch walks up to this guy and starts stabbing him, not in the penis, but in the pelvic region, just mm -hmm. like around the surrounding bits, the 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 
the fupa, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he has pierced his bladder for sure, but he's not quite hitting the dick, honestly. He's hitting everything around. He's trying, though. It's it's hard, but there's no good place to aim down there, really. It's either dick or die, dick or die. Those are pretty much it. Well, I mean, he's he's doing a, you know, he's he's striking with the bottom of his palm. To me, I would go the other way and go up, you know, like, OK, like, like good to know on top, like with the thumb grip and then up, you know, that that's my thinking. But no, he's just going like he's trying to hammer in a nail or something like I do because I don't have tools and I'm an idiot. So he's stabbing this guy in the dick. Um, and uh, Babs, she's like, what the fuck is going on back there? So she like tries to do something. She doesn't. Um, and Art D. Clown uh, gets this guy on the ground. He gets Jeff on the ground and with his bare fucking hand, uh, he just rips. He just gives it a yank uh, like a like a bandaid right off. Uh, he, he, he rips his dick off. And I was like, you know, I, I've seen Sonny Chiba do that in the 70s. Like that, as far as like dick trauma goes, that's bad, but that, I have seen worse. You know, that it could have been a lot worse, John. A lot worse. <laughs> a lot worse. Uh, <laughs> so, I I strongly recommend you watch the McGruber series on ah, Peacock. Ah, ah. Uh there's some there's some good rips in there. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fantastic show. Um, yeah, so he chases Babs into the, the carnival area and he gets her all the way back to some room and she, she like brandishes like a, like a little stick or something. She's like, stay back, stay back. And this is he, Shelly Duvall all over again. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not going to do anything uh, to a giant forehead. Um, that's just going to absorb it. Um, <laughs> But he's got behind his back. I didn't see what kind of acid it is, uh, but he's got his cool new weapon. I forgot the name that you called it. A cudgel or a mace, a, a homemade mace. He's got that. And then he's got acid. I'm like, that acid's going in her face. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly where it goes. Oh, yeah. Uh, this The acid was teased uh, when he was doing his uh, <laughs> Joel Schumacher Batman-esque uh, suiting up sequence earlier in the film uh, mm-hmm. it, it was part of his bag of goodies so if you remember that good on you um, but yeah he's he's showing her the right but he gives her the left um, and it is acid to the face um, it's pretty fucking tasty uh, she is not happy about it and by the way this battle is being staged in a nasty bathroom uh, this is a public yeah. restroom with some nasty fluorescent lighting and just blood everywhere. This, I half expect Arnold Schwarzenegger to show up and start putting people's heads through porcelain or something. This is a lovely I bathroom f- to smash around in. I feel like uh, considering uh, how you are, I feel like there's an occasional bathroom that you've gone into where you're praying that a clown comes in, throws acid in your face and beats you to death. <laughs> your face is a pulp <laughs> instead of touch anything in there. It's like you can either kill you or you can touch that toilet seat with your bare hands. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have I have the primo public toilets thoroughly marked down on my Google Maps uh, here in yeah. Seattle. Uh, you you got to know where you're going to take yeah. a leak in the city because yeah. There are very few options, uh, and there are even fewer good options. <laughs> yeah. 
honestly, they shouldn't be. They, no tickets should be handed out for people pissing in an alleyway. Like that should just be. That should just be okay because it's got to happen, yeah. man. It's, it's just got to happen. It's gotta, and there's very few places to do it. You just got to yeah. do it sometimes. You got to do it. I yeah. I you, I'm sure you've had experiences on the app. The Ave especially is the most difficult place I think in the city to go to the bathroom at, at the risk of ruining a good thing. Public service announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell. Okay. Don't, don't okay. let them know. I'll keep it under my hat. They so. don't need to know. I already okay? told you that stays between you and me, Kyle. We know we know where to go. <laughs> tell you what, like and subscribe, follow us on Twitter, and we'll tell you there, maybe. Make <laughs> we'll us a Patreon you know. and give us ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll let you know where you can pee on the Ave in Capitol Hill. Or we'll in give you uh, the keys to the castle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and actually, uh, you know what? The U District in general, I have another one uh, that's a good, just a good emergency place as well. I'll tell you off air. Um, okay. But yeah. I, yeah. I, I will add um, it to the list. But yeah, uh, this uh, uh, this is another protracted kill sequence. Uh, Babs has acid in her face at this point, as we said. Um, and uh, this turns in, this very quickly turns into a Mick Foley hardcore match uh, as Art starts laying into her. Uh, with his homemade cudgel and he's he's not going for the vitals he's going for the pain he's just whacking her yeah. in the back in the in the meaty fleshy parts in her back it's like well that ain't gonna kill anybody that's just gonna really upset him and sure enough she's not happy yeah. about it um and then uh kyle the below the waist action here uh what was, I... what was your reaction to that because for me that was like oh whoa <laughs> you don't, don't see that I... every day <laughs> I must have been taking a note. I didn't catch it. I must have looked away. It's exactly one shot, but it's glorious. Um, he, I, I, speaking of specific trauma that sometimes upsets people, um, I think the the one that gets people a lot is uh, compound fractures uh, of any mm-hmm. sort. Really, are very upsetting to a number of people. Um, a lot of times that involves like shin bones or uh, forearms. Uh, in this case, though, it's not a compound fracture. He he catches her on the kneecap, and Eesh. it and it explodes, and it's it's grotesque. But it's like one of those things that's like I don't think I've ever seen that before, but I'm glad that I have because that that <laughs> that was really well executed, and that's a particular form of just bodily harm that I I I'd never seen before on film, but that was really well realized. <laughs> Uh, there is a movie with Kevin Bacon and Sean Astin. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. I believe it's yes, it is White Water Summer. I think I have mentioned it, but Kevin Bacon gets a broken leg in there, and it's a it it's pretty bad. Like it's one of those realistic looking ones where you're like, "Fuck off, dude! Look at White. Turn the camera because they they hold on it for a, a little bit, and it's just like, God damn, yeah. they did it really well. That's like. A- um, that's like the napalm wound in a I can't dude that is seared into my brain and I try to forget it oh, I'm sorry God. I'm sorry see Ooh. see folks all this Ooh. talk of specific wounds and trauma that I said affect people like specific people we found Kyle's he doesn't like That's that mine yeah Kyle really Skin. doesn't like that Skin that has been cooked to where it's a it's chicken wings coming off the bone like that's yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. man to, to complete rough. the thought m- my dad Vietnam vet that's his as well uh, he, that's not, he, yeah. he I think he walked out of that one uh, at I think that point 
I, I think it, it was like 2002. We were soldiers. I think that so it's okay. Enough. Okay, we got it. War is bad. We've got, we've got <laughs> it. Okay, it's enough. Let's just let's just stop this. Okay, Wait, let's just have more of Sam Elliott. You know, using his Colt 45 and being cool because like yeah, the rest cool. of this shit is a little too much. Let's just go back to Sam Elliott and that stash shooting people with a cool ass <laughs> pistol. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um. Yeah, so I, I didn't catch that, but I'm glad that you enjoyed the knee trauma. That's uh, it's good to know. It's just a really good effect. And it's like one of those things that's like, damn, mm, got mm. him. <laughs> but um, he's not done because he's Art the Clown and he just can't, he just can't let it lie. He's just got to keep yeah. going. It's like, dude, it was perfect. And you ruined it. He just kept going. Um, so uh, one thing that uh, I would point to as being a market improvement over the first Terrifier. Like virtually everything uh, is better in this film than it is in the first one. But one thing that's dramatically better is uh, the sound. Uh, the, the sound effects of the violence in the first Terrifier are not bad. They're just not especially creative and not as visceral as, as the visuals that accompany them um, because the makeup effects are outstanding in that film as well even better in this one, but the sound here is so much better. Um, and case in point, this uh, death blow that he does to Babs here is he hits her in the chest, like square in the chest with the cudgel and the, like the exhale that she does. It sounds weirdly realistic where it's mm. like that. That sounds like air being evacuated from a person's torso. Oh, so do you think uh, his, I think he was probably paying attention and I don't know if you've caught this. Hopefully you have, but in silence of the lambs, when they pulled the, the book coon out of uh, the girl's throat, there's like a, like yes, just a little, yeah, just a yes. little breath right there. It's just that, just that little detail is yeah. just makes all the difference. Yeah. That, that was a really very specific, but very good example of what I'm getting at. Um, I forgot about that one, but you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, really well executed just just that nice. that rush of air that comes out that sounds involuntary like i wouldn't be surprised if someone took a baseball bat to like a sheep's lung or something <laughs> so. uh, conversely uh not very well executed is the remainder of this film uh, unfortunately uh sorry damien we you had us you had us in the first half i'll give you that yeah you show consistent improvement you clearly are listening to your audience but listen here and listen well make it shorter <laughs> shorter dude i'm i'm game for terrifier 3 i will go to the theater for terrifier 3 you will have my money sir if yeah. you cut about 20 minutes 20 to 30 minutes out of the next one and just you could keep the same amount of gore a little more just just be more uh just be creative again just keep that creativity going to the third one and you you could just keep doing these movies easily yeah I'm totally no. fine yeah, I, I would totally go to the theater with you, honestly. You you have my money. You don't have to yeah. work for it. Just, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Just make it shorter. <laughs> but um, it's actually kind of funny, the progression between these two movies. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I, I kind of think of them as like the Raid and the Raid 2, but in horror movies, because like the first Raid film is fairly straightforward. There is some like politicking and like, intrigue that goes on like in terms of like the character relationships and the actual plot of that movie but it's very much just a visceral straightforward experience if you choose to approach it that way but the second one is like a crime epic with characterization and narrative and dialogue kind of taking like center stage 
but it's punctuated by moments of like action and violent violence, like spectacle. So I kind of think of this progression of a franchise being kind of similar. Now the, the hope, and I don't think we're actually going to get it is that someday we'll get a raid three. Um, but the point is like Damien Leone does seem to be evolving his approach to these, these movies. And I, I, I appreciate it, man. Like it's, it's really cool to see like things that were pinpointed as being problems or things that were considered lacking in the first film actually addressed head on and aggressively in this one, because a common criticism of that first one was there's no characters, there's no plot. So what do we do this time? Make it all about the characters. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, now I'm just going to try to please stop me whenever you're ready, but I'm just going to kind of go through the, go through the motions oh, here the, with the this. The rhythm of this movie is a problem. It, it's very yeah. repetitive in this closing act because guess what? Spoiler alert. Yeah. There ain't nobody left to kill. <laughs> no, literally no one left to kill. Uh, yeah. So we've got uh, Art and Etsy. They, I think maybe he knocks her out. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Art's looking they for Jonathan. A, they have a Terminator fight in the bathroom. Like this is straight yeah, up Terminator yeah. fighting where we're, we're collar tying each other and just yeah. slamming each other into things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, after they've, uh, after they've done that, uh, Art's looking for Jonathan. Uh, Etsy gets a weapon. Uh, Art manages to get a hold of Jonathan. He gets, he gets a few lacerations on him. I think he gets his cheek, maybe his arm, but he's really not committing to killing this kid. Like he's, I guess he's savoring the dish. Like everything else leading up to this was just like, let's just get it over with. I'm killing these people and uh, I'm just going to make it as gruesome as possible. But now it's like, he's really trying to savor killing these two uh, spoiler alert. He never gets all the way through it. Um, and then he ends up just whipping them. Like that ends up be- like, dude, we've watched a girl just completely get just eviscerate. Just, anything that you could do to a human being with a knife has been done to her. And now you're just kind of hitting these kids with a chain or whatever. I'm like, it's, it's really a strange, strange choice. I don't understand why he went this way. Yeah. I I was kind of struggling to figure this out as well, because this also happens like the whipping exactly also happens in the last act of the first terrifier so on that end it's like that that is a little weird that we're doing literally the same thing that we did at the end of the first movie um but on top of that you have these confused plot points where the john character has shown a fascination with art he's been investigating him he wanted to dress up like him he's had encounters with him earlier in the movie it's like, are we building up to like him tempting him or like him somehow associating with art? Do they have some sort of special relationship? Is that why he's antagonizing him rather than outright murdering him? I don't, I don't know. I kind of want, I kind of want like a, a like a, a naked gun or kind of like a parody movie where uh, uh, a child soldier comes in smoking a cigarette with an assault rifle with a bamboo stick and then just starts whacking them. Speaking unintelligible <laughs> language, just just beating on like that's got more weight to it other than just a clown with a bicycle chain just kind of going to town on these two. Like, yeah, just thinking- to its credit, it is a creative weapon because it's it's like a it's it's like a strap or a chain with what looks like surgical tools tied to the ends of it. 
So it's like a cat of nine tails or something, but with, with bladed ah, yeah. instruments at the end of it or something. But it is weird that like, this is the weapon of choice and it's just this playful whipping action that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we don't, you know, there's, there's nothing that really happens to them. Like, it's just kind of like showing his face, showing them kind of getting hit, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, as I said, so, get a brain, get a brain stab on art. That's the next kind of big thing. Yeah. So Sienna has a moment where she's laying on top of John to protect him. They're both getting cut to shit by this whip weapon that Art is wielding. And uh, she ends up like having a she she hulks out for a moment. Uh, she powers up and uh, she grabs the whip mid stroke and uh, takes it away from Art the Clown and uh, goes to town on him for a minute and then stabs him in the head with a rebar. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, it's he gets better though really fast um he gets up and he starts choking her on the floor and then uh whilst they are grappling with each other uh john her little brother takes the double-barreled shotgun which ironically was used to kill his mother earlier from Mm. art's uh, ankle holster and shoots him in the chest with it which frees his sister and then uh the mom appears in a spectral vision that sienna has and uh, then John calls out to her and it's revealed that mom is not in fact mom. It's a monster mom uh, yeah. who the makeup, the makeup that they apply to monster mom looks very similar to um, John Landis's Amer- an American werewolf in London. Uh, the iconic jump scare in the woods when our, our main character flashes his fangs and has like mm. uh, yellow eyes and pale face. Um, the, uh, the, clown cafe sequence with the tommy gun also reminded me of that dream sequence from that movie as well when the the nazi werewolves show up and start slitting people's throats and shooting people with uzis i've only seen it the one time and it was unfortunately kind of underwhelming for me uh, i'm sorry to hear I, that i really enjoy that movie i i think i was kind of in and out of it like i think steph and i tried to watch it one night i'll, I'll go back and check it out but uh yeah i remember being just kind of like eh it's okay. I kind of want to try to introduce it to the girlfriend, but at the same time, I'm fearful of the fact that that'll be her reaction. It'll just feel like a waste of time on my part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, for, I don't think it's, I don't think it's for everybody in, in this age. Like I, I feel like it had an expiration date to some extent because it, it's from a different time. Like it, it and it very much feels it. Which is unfortunate because I'd really do like it. I I was introduced to it at a pretty young age. I had a, I have a cool dad. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Sienna, I guess snaps out of it um, again. Yeah. Again, yeah. this happens three or four times in this last, Fucking, last act of the movie. A lot, yes, a this, lot. Oh my god, Kyle! Like uh, this is for Nick. This is for your brother. The, the the pattern, the rhythm of this last act of this movie feels like the Boo Saga of Dragon Ball Z. Which and is like, Nick's fucking dad. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Nick listens uh, this deep into the episode because, um, yeah, this feels evocative of that because it really is just like we fight, we fight, we fight. We go far around for five minutes. Oh, we fight, we fight, we fight. We go far. Oh, oh more inconclusive fighting. Cool. With, between the same two characters. Oh, cool. Like tune in next week for more inconclusive fighting. <laughs> like, fuck, I get over with it. Come on. Honestly, yeah. it really yeah. is. They clash. They they break apart. Uh, they they huff and puff and look real sad about their injuries, and then they fight again, and then yeah. ad nauseum. This, the last 
20 minutes of this is 20 minutes basically of what we're what we're talking about yeah right now. that first chunk was a good 10 minutes this is the like the next eight minutes i think yeah don't forget so, all the sequences of them looking for each other jesus that, that happened in yeah. between all of these these skirmishes but yeah sienna yeah. finds art and john after looking for them mind you um yeah. and then uh art surprises her and pushes her through the floor it pushes I, her through the floor yeah yeah and uh, falls she, into the the mystery dungeon yeah so it's like the prestige <laughs> the portal to like, hell <laughs> th- this whole sequence kind of reminded me of the prestige where yeah he there's like the uh underneath the stage there's like the there's a tank like you know you've seen the prestige right uh-huh. okay yeah uh yeah so she gets knocked down there it's like she's knocked out he kind of squats down to look at her and then he just kind of goes off she wakes up again uh <laughs> <laughs> And she goes to find Art, and he's, I guess, knocked out Jonathan. I don't know. He's just unconscious. That's it. And she's just like, no. And then uh, I I think he chokes her again. He stabs her with her own sword, which, yeah. by the way, we haven't emphasized it, is pointed to as being an important prop because yes. it survived the the fire of her wings going up in flames and it, it was pr- yeah. in pristine condition. So it's implied at that early stage in the film that it's going to be special. Um, it looks like a miniature version of Maximus's sword in the gladiator. It does. Yeah. It looks like a gladius or something, but with a, a lame handle. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, art department of Terrifier 2. But um, yeah, uh, they're in this this hellish basement set with a red portal to hell in the middle of the room. And uh, he, by the way, uh, we haven't emphasized a lot of uh, some of art's mishaps and like his weird quirky behavior and whatnot. A lot of it is legitimately funny. One thing that made me laugh was what um, he spits on her after he pushes oh, yeah. her into the basement. Yeah. I was like, I, fu- I thought he might pull him a Gruber and pee on her, but uh, yeah, he he just kind of does a little spit on her. Like, I would have appreciated like a full on loogie just just for the sound, but but, <laughs> but, but Ted's focus journey. They just <laughs> kick him off, and then immediately there's like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> it's the best. I would have appreciated that, but you know, with with art, the less sound he makes is probably better. Um, but yeah, he stabs her in the stomach with her own sword. I don't know where he got it from. He just has it. Shut up. Yeah. Um, and she falls into the red hell pit. Uh, and it, meanwhile, Art is trying to wake up John. It's actually kind of comical because he's like, he really wants him to be awake for what's about to happen, but it's just not yeah. happening. So he's getting frustrated. And then, yeah, as Kyle said, there is in fact a water tank here. Yeah. Uh, Sienna and... wakes up in it. It's like a Houdini water torture cell. And it happens to be on the Clown Cafe television set. So I don't know yeah. what if this is the, the evil dimension that Art has the power to pull people into or something, but she's in the water tank. Uh, the fucking jingle comes back, the Clown Cafe jingle. Sienna drowns. Everything goes still for like a couple of seconds. Uh, meanwhile, John is waking up to Art, Art to Clown gnawing on his hand. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that was kind of chilling. I'm like, he's eating his fucking hand. Uh, yeah. So the fucking sword is magic. Uh, yeah. The sword just heals Etsy, and uh, she gets the drop on Art, and she ends up. Uh, I think she maybe stabs his back. She stabs him a couple times, uh, slits his throat. 
and then she gets around to the front and i think he kind of encourages her to do it but she just straight up gets him yeah she just chops his head off uh yeah she depacketates art b clown and yeah his his last gesture is to kind of like egg her on uh so he's not worried about it um by the way the way this magic sword wakes up and wakes her up is also kind of dragon (laughs) ball-esque um it it has a orange aura to it it feels vaguely like uh the last dragon the the glow if you will uh have you ever seen the last dragon kyle no i have not you'd probably hate it but it is a lot of fun like it is Is a cartoon no it's mid 80s trash it's a uh It's a pseudo martial arts film, but it's produced by Motown Records. Um, so the entire soundtrack is Motown Records from the mid 80s. Uh, Vanity, uh, one of uh, Prince's entourage back in the day. Uh, she's the leading lady and a uh, Ty Mac uh, is the leading man. And he's like a Bruce Lee fanatic, but he's kind of a shithead. <laughs> um, it's a it's a very silly, very fun movie. It doesn't take itself seriously <laughs> at all. Yeah, uh, I, I think you might hate it, but it, it is a really fun watch with friends just because it's fun to point at and laugh. And the movie knows it's dumb, which helps. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the sword has the glow um, and uh, it Sienna wakes up. Uh, she is resurrected somehow. Uh, she escapes from the water torture cell and, as Kyle said, depacketates Art D-Clown. Uh, and then after he's been depacketated, uh, the clown girl appears and she takes Art's head and kind of like cradles it. Uh, and then my... I thought she was going to pull a Jeepers Creepers. I thought she was going to start like biting his tongue out or something. I, like, I didn't know where this was going to go. Yeah. Um, and then my credit says Synthwave fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, the soundtrack Ew. is uh, done by Paul Wiley and Rostislav Vainstock. Um, Paul Wiley, I know, worked on the first film as well. The score for these movies is good. Uh, it's very uh, uh, John Carpenter-esque um, at times, for sure. Um, but also um, weird, very deep cut, but also parts of it, especially when it gets more intense, remind me of uh, Henry Jackman's theme for The Winter Soldier uh, in the Captain America movies. Uh it's like it's like discordant, like kind of industrial kind of sounds. Um, okay, but the majority of the score is very deliberately Carpenter esque, though, um, and it's very good. Uh, it does have a distinct theme, actually, that is played across both films, and it is somewhat memorable. I couldn't hum it to you right now, uh, but <laughs> I recognized it every time it popped up. Uh, so good on them. Um, but yeah, uh, post credits. We do in fact have a post credits. Uh, we cut to a psych hospital, uh, and there is a woman who, like a disembodied woman, we do just know that there's female noises and there's like puking going on and lots yeah. of blood on the floor, lots of blood on the floor. Yeah. Um, and then, Heidi Ho, Chris Jericho, uh, <laughs> I didn't expect to see you here, except I did because his name was in the front credits of the film, and he is watching Plan Nine from Outer Space on a laptop. I was wondering what that was. I'm like, I feel like I should know what that is. Uh, I was going to ask you about it. That was the one. I'm like, what's he watching on there? Because there's emphasis placed on it. I mean, for the younger people watching this, like they might not get the uh, the Night of the Living Dead nod. Like, I mean, I know that one, but I didn't get the first one. I didn't know it was the original House on Haunting, uh, the House on Haunted Hill or 
haunting of hill house whatever you want to call it you, you had it right the first time uh, yeah so yeah plan nine from outer space okay yeah, yeah yes it, chris y2j is uh here <laughs> yes he is breaking the walls down uh at the insane asylum uh and uh yeah he's just schmoozing uh, with a lady nurse uh, who is played by the same actress who did the clown cafe jingle. Uh, just point that out. She's just not wearing the makeup and stuff. Uh, and uh, we keep cutting back and forth between them talking about exactly nothing. Uh, Chris Jericho is here for one day. And this is what we're going to do with that day. Which we're just going to have him say nothing dialogue. Let me get some more of that. Let me get some more of that cake. Tomorrow I start my diet. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, he's very chummy in this film. Yeah. He's, he's nothing but sweet and, and warm in this film, which is kind of neat uh, because he typically plays assholes uh, as a wrestler. <laughs> but um, we keep cutting back and forth between their conversation and uh, the female patient who is revealed to be um, Vicky, uh, who is the woman who survived Art de Clown's uh, initial rampage in the previous film and is also the woman who mutilated the television host. Um, and she is making a mess. Uh, mm -hmm. she, she got blood all over the place. She, and she scrawled Vicky plus art on the wall uh, in her own blood. And then uh, long story short, uh, the lady nurse goes to check on her. And she's uh, saying that C word that we can't get away with saying in public here in the States. <laughs> Across the pond, not a big deal. Here, not so much. Uh, she's yeah. saying it repeatedly. And uh, lady nurse walks in on her just in time to see her. Uh, having given birth, quite literally, quite physically, quite viscerally, to uh, Art de Clown's head, and yes. only the head. A lot of yes. tubes for just a head, but it, it's a head. <laughs> Congratulations, <Yeah>. it's a head. <laughs> it's a squid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that leads me to believe that there will hopefully be uh, a Terrifier 3 in the near future. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the box office figures and it looks like this is well into the tens of millions on a budget of two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. Imagine I what they could do with a million dollars. Yeah, yeah really. I, I, I bet you the filmmaker is asking himself that very question right now. It's like, what could I do with a million dollars? Because you know what? I bet you're going to get it, buddy. <laughs> and then some because... Um, the word of mouth that this film received upon release in theaters was truly special. Like, like this took the internet by storm. Like, like people would not shut the fuck up about this among like horror circles. And oddly enough, like horror is, is becoming, I want to say very mainstream these days. Like, like I feel like it, it's grown as yeah. a genre to the point that's like, I don't think it's, for the the punks anymore i, I want to no. say it like horror is not punk rock anymore as much as its aesthetics might suggest that i want to say horror is for everyone these days well it's because it, it has an audience that's not going anywhere like you you have horror hounds like people are going to show up for these movies and it basically started to pick up when marvel movies really started to pick up i feel and that was basically dominating the box office so it is nice to know that there there's people out there who care there's people out there who want us to to be happy and uh it actually watch people get just absolutely destroyed <laughs> <laughs> no i mean there um, there is absolutely an audience for this sort of thing very clearly a very enthusiastic audience but also a growing audience because 
in this movie's case like specifically this kind of movie there's also the taboo factor because so it's not just if you're like a fan of horror cinema it's also like if say you're a young person that wants to check out the naughty thing that like all your friends on the playground are saying like, Oh, you, you won't believe how fucked up this movie is. It's like, well, I got to see that. <laughs> um, so the challenge uh, is, is, is presented now uh, to Mr. Leone. Uh, you, you've successfully upped the ante uh, with your sequel, but now you got to do it again. Um, yeah, this and- is a, this kind of, this will help pave the way for kids to one day watch. We are the flesh. Uh, so they need, <laughs> they need to be. You got to dip your toe in the water a little bit before you go jumping in the deep end over there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I think it. I think it goes without saying. Kyle and I both really, really enjoyed this one for the most part. Like it is overlong. I don't think anybody can really justify yeah. uh, some of the some of the length of this movie. There are many scenes that just go a little bit too long. But beyond that. Uh, when it's on, it's it's on, and uh, it's very nice to look at. As we said, every performance in it is very solid. Like there's yeah. there's very few weak points to this movie. Like really, the only one that I can concretely point to is is its length. Yeah, just the uh, the third act is just a little soggy, but it's uh, a, it's that. a little yeah. yeah, it's a little repetitive. It, it drags a little bit, but you know, on the whole, it's a pretty yeah. solid movie. So if you're at all interested, and if you <laughs> If you think you can handle it, because it really yeah. is not for everybody. As as much buzz as it's been getting, it, it really does need to be said. It, this will not appeal to just anyone. Uh, I know for a fact the girlfriend would yeah. hate yeah. this. <laughs> if you don't like, if you don't like, uh, I'd say the Saw movies or anything Eli Roth has done, I would say stay away from this. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it is worth like emphasizing something that Kyle had mentioned earlier that, that this does feel like a, a more contemporary horror film in that it doesn't, it doesn't get mean in the ways that older horror movies, like older mainstream horror movies used to um, this, this doesn't press really any of the buttons that, that I, I think contemporary society aside from people who would have issues with the, just the gore, like mm. in terms of like social issues and whatnot, this movie is actually well positioned uh, to, yeah. to not bother as many people as a lot of older horror movies of the genre do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's important, I guess. But anyway, uh, this was our review of Damien Leone's uh, Terrifier 2. Uh, we're both looking forward to three and four or beyond if, if he gets yeah. around to making those. So, you know, hats off to you, bud. Um, but if you'd like to check out any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. Google it. And that being said, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Okay, kill him!